the Gastrointestinal Clinical Strategies and Treatment Applications online course by the Karazian Institute is now available on demand. Learn from leading functional medicine expert, Dr. Datis Karazian, as he teaches you how to identify, assess and treat patients with autoimmune conditions. For more information and to book your ticket, click on events under the community tab at fxmedicine.com.au. FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Dr. Isaac Elias, who's an integrative medical doctor, licensed acupuncturist, researcher, product formulator, and frequent guest lecturer. He's been a pioneer in holistic medicine since the early 1980s and has published numerous peer-reviewed research papers on several of his key integrative health formulas. He's the founder and medical director of Amitabha Medical Clinic in Santa Rosa, California, an integrative health center specializing in cancer and chronic conditions. Dr. Elias is also widely regarded as the leading expert in the field of modified citrus pectin research. And we warmly welcome Dr. Isaac Elias to FX Medicine today. How are you, Isaac? I'm wonderful, Andrew, and thank you for the opportunity to participate in this important uh, service that you are providing. I'm really excited, and I'm excited to talk to people in Australia because I love Australia. I've been there a few times. I have family in Australia, and I just need a good reason to come back. We will hopefully give you that reason. (laughs) Isaac, well, look, I guess firstly we have to go back to modified citrus pectin. Now this is something that I've used clinically for years and years with great effect in especially cancer patients. We're going to be delving into a few other areas but I'd really like to go back to where this all started with modifying a pectin, a citrus pectin. Where did the research start? Where does the idea start? You know, it's really, it's a remarkable story that has, uh, it is multifaceted. The person that originally came with the idea of modifying pectin to a low molecular weight, uh, more for in vitro testing and for uh, animal testing, was uh, Dr. Avram Raz from Wayne University, who is Israeli in his origin and has been around for many, many years. He's one of the people who discovered lectins and galactins in the late 80s. And I just published actually a landmark paper with him on the on the function of modified citrus pectin in a high impact peer reviewed journal. So we collaborate actually. And but from a practical point of view, I'm a native of Israel. So in 1971, I was 12 years old. You can calculate. I just turned 16. <laughs> I was uh, taking a walk in our neighborhood to our neighbors, uh, Ruth and Leo Cohen. Both were PhDs in organic chemistry and were pioneers of the citrus industry in Israel. Which Israel was famous for its citrus industry. People may not be aware. Most of Israel used to be citrus uh, uh, plant, plants, you know, and trees was yeah. the main thing. And there was a key organic chemist who developed the industry. And out of the blue, Ruth turned to me, and you know, I was 12 years old. She told me, Isaac, one day they will find a treatment for cancer. 
from the peel of the citrus fruit. So in 1995, the first paper comes out, and somehow it stuck in my mind. You know, 24 years later, I pick the phone. I call Ruth, I tell her, Ruth, it's Isaac. Uh, we're very happy to talk. You know, I don't expect you to remember, but you told me this thing when I was 12 years old. I need your help. And she put me together with the main pectin scientist in the world, and we developed this very unique modified citrus pectin called Pectosol. And it's important to emphasize because all the published papers on, on a commercially available product are just on Pectosol. Yeah. You know, and of course, there's always borrowed science with people who try to copy you. And they use the generic name because modified citrus pectin is a misleading name. Every pectin has to be modified to be taken out of the peel, right? You have to extract it. Yeah. But it's really pectosol, which is the one that has the low molecular weight, the specific structure. We have proven the only pectin to ever be shown where we have we developed an antibody. We have shown absorption through the gut in human subjects. So we know we have proven it gets absorbed. And because of its unique structure, which we can reproduce, it has these really remarkable benefits. And Andrew, as you mentioned, we all started by using it with cancer. But over the years, it, we realized that its role in blocking galactin-3 is so much bigger than cancer that it, it's literally mind-blowing. Yeah. Literally mind-blowing. I, I do want to just put in a point for our listeners, and that in, is that FX Medicine tries to be uh, non-branded wherever possible, but in the interests of both skill set and safety for our practitioners around the world, I think it's important to make this distinction that this is the research product. There is sometimes when you cannot escape the naming of a certain product. So I just wanted right. to, anyway, to clarify no, I, that. I really point. appreciate your comments. I always actually, actually, I avoid mentioning it, but you know, we just had three, four landmark papers. And there are over 20 papers showing, without question, the benefit in, in inflammatory fibrotic diseases of lung, liver, heart, kidney, mm. etc. And there was one paper published that suddenly didn't work. And sure enough, it wasn't our product. Right. So it takes one drop of lemon to spoil a bucket of milk, <laughs> you know? And people need to know this. And this is why I decided once this happened, and I did respond to the journal, and they published my response, and the original authors acknowledged that, that the issue. But then I decided, you know what? The world needs to know. I can't be the best kept secret in town. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm mentioning it now. I want to go into why that's important, but I think we need to backtrack first and, and talk a little bit about Galactin-3. And that's this receptor that's involved in more than what I originally thought was, and that was certain like prostate cancer and maybe a few others, breast, um, cancers like breast cancer. So can we talk a little bit about galactin-3? What is this receptor? Yeah, we can talk. Uh, it's more than a little bit. So it's very fascinating. And if I can take two minutes to explain it, it's interesting for me on a personal level because you discovered, you, you, you described the different area that I have an expertise in, you know, regular medicine, licensed acupuncture, classical homeopathy, serious research, you know, from double-blind clinical trials with Harvard to Tufts to Columbia to Johns Hopkins. I'm kind of going down the East Coast to the USDA to MD Anderson, really dozens of institutes. But I'm also a healer. I'm mainly a healer. I'm mainly a hands-on practitioner. And for me, I was fortunate to get trained by some of the most legendary 
Tibetan Buddhist masters in Tibet. So I teach meditation and healing on a volunteer basis, and it's all about how to transform difficulties, negative emotions, survival responses into love and compassion. Why am I telling the story? Because this is where I come from meditation into health. What I found out, and it's so fascinating how life brings you to what you need, galactin-3 is our master survival protein. And it's really important for the doctors to understand this. And our survival response is at the root of every chronic disease. Because what is cancer? Mm. Cancer is one cell that decides to survive. Yeah. What is autoimmune disease? That a certain organ fights with the rest of the body. So this survival mechanism has effects, especially inside the cell, it helps to develop the cell normally because we want to survive, right? We have 50 trillion cells that are surviving together. We are a miracle, each of us. So inside the cell, galactin-3 is important for embryogenesis, for normal cell development. But that's not our issue. Our issue is on the cell membrane, as you said, as a receptor, and in the circulation. And there, it allows different cells, different tissue, different bacteria or parasites to survive by creating a microenvironment. So actually, galactin-3 is defined as an alarming. It's a protein that sounds the alarm. So if 20 years ago we thought that galactin-3 is a chronic protein that is in charge of... Actually, 20 years ago we thought more about the cancer. But let's say 15 years ago or 10 years ago, we thought that it, we realized it's in charge for, of injury repair, and it does it by creating inflammation and fibrosis, which is pretty bad. But now we know that galactin-3 in acute conditions like myocardial infarction, like sepsis, it goes up, Andrew, in minutes, in minutes. Right. And it starts the whole cascade of inflammation. How does it do it? If, we, if one looks at the structure of galactin-3, it has a carbohydrate recognition domain. So it binds to different carbohydrates. So oligosaccharides, proteoglycans, glycolipids, it binds to VGF, it binds to CEA, it binds to sticky molecules like integrin, it binds to fibronectin, it, it binds to, C, to CD45. And based on what it binds, based on the carbohydrate sugar signature, it will create different responses. So it's a master protein that creates a microenvironment that will allow the arteriosclerotic plaque to thrive, that allows an aggressive uh, invader to create an impenetrable uh, biofilm. It allows a cancer cell to create a microenvironment with hypoxia, etc., etc. And galactin-3 goes up with age. It goes up with any trauma or stress or injury, physical, emotional, mental, psychological. We know we have studies about it. And as a result, it degrades our body. So blocking galactin-3, and this is not something I would say even five years ago, but blocking galactin-3 is, in my opinion, the most important thing for longevity because it affects literally, if I showed you the chart, Every single chronic disease. We are right now doing research myself on multiple cancers. We are starting a research on scleroderma. We did an osteoarthritis. We are starting on rheumatoid arthritis. 
We are doing, you know, on, uh, on idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. We're doing research wow. on CKD, yeah. on AKI, on congestive heart failure, on hypertension. All of this with the same compound. How is it possible? Because we are addressing our basic unhealthy survival instinct, which really causes havoc. It's like the body goes to war with, when it can survive with peace. Okay, okay, so it's not just a marker but a target. Um, for instance, you say that it goes up in minutes. Now, normally we see things like, um, you know, uh, CRP, say, um, C-reactive protein or ESR going up with it uh, as an acute phase protein to a stressor. Um, but we don't target that. We just measure it and we say that's how we measure what's happening. We target other tissues. Right. However, this turns out to be a target, not just a measure. Absolutely. And we know that it's a target because when we block it, the condition reverses itself. It right. not only stops, but in certain conditions, you look at animal studies with arteriosclerosis, with aortic sclerosis, with the fibrosis of the heart, with kidney damage, with, heart, with liver damage, and you actually not only stop it, in many studies, we actually reverse it. Because there is still energy in the tissue. Yeah, right. Okay, so this is this is something I picked up when you said AKI. That's acute kidney injury, and exactly. and if you don't nip that in the bud really quick, you can possibly lead to devastating disorders like sepsis. So if you if exactly. we can if we can recover this early enough, if we can be maybe measuring galactin three in the serum and address acute kidney injury in its early stages, we could be preventing the progression of sepsis. Of course. This is, you know, it's so interesting that you are jumping. It's kind of amazing because we had four papers of this lately. I just came back from China when I lectured in a, for me, I'm, a, I'm like a holistic uh, outpatient doctor. I actually lectured in an international critical care conference, okay, right. ICU conference, because of the galactin-3. Because now there are studies that are showing, listen to this, a really good study, high-impact journal that had a combination of human study and animal study. So in the human studies, it showed that patients who survived sepsis in the ICU, 1,100 patients, their damage to the kidney was proportional to the level of galactin-3 at the time of discharge. But more important, patients who are going to have coronary, uh, coronary uh, artery bypass, okay? Yeah. Their level of pre-surgery galactin-3 directly correlated to the kidney damage and the heart damage from the surgery. Unreal. Wow. And then what they found out, when they took animals, when they did an acute kidney injury by shutting down the circulation to the animals, yeah. If they gave them the modified citrospectin, they, they, they actually eliminated the damage to the heart, not only to the kidney, to the heart. So why is AKI so important? You can have an AKI and you have no long-term kidney damage, but guess what? You can the alarming, the alarming has been set on in the bone marrow, and the alarming is going to go to the target organs like the heart, it's going to cause remodeling of the heart and, you know, and diastolic dysfunction and stiffening fibrotic heart and early death. 
And it all started with a kidney injury, and the mediator exclusively for this, or the main one, is galactin-3. And when you block it, or when you do it in animals that don't have galactin-3, you don't get this damage. Unreal, right? Absolutely. Multiple studies on this. Now, also, you, you mentioned you know, fibrosis, um, uh, endothelial fibrosis, and I'm picturing here things like fibrotic plaques, um, so fibrotic caps. Can we uh, manipulate, modulate an atheroma by the use of modified Absolutely. citrospectin? Absolutely. And we know research have, have shown it. Even years ago, they've already shown that from all fibers, pectins are, are, are most effective for plaques in general. But of course, and we know why. If you look, if you look at the fibroblasts and myofibroblasts, if yep. you look at TGF beta, Yep. TGF-beta is a driver of the fibrotic process. TGF-beta is excreted from macrophage in response to galactin-3. Ah. On the inflammatory end, IL-1B, IL-10, IL-8, IL-4, TNF-alpha, all are excreted from, from inflammatory macrophage in response to galactin-3. Extracellular metrics... Uh, Modulation, increase in, in, in extracellular mesenchymal stem cells, which causes fibrosis, excreted, stimulated by galactin-3. At the same time, the galactin-3 will go to our normal T-cells and will shut down the normal immune response. If you take T-cells and you put galactin-3, no cytokines. Zip. Energy. Complete energy. Why? That's how the cancer survives. The cancer is smart. It also uses the galactin-3. It wants to survive. We talked about it. And then you put a galactin-3 blocker. Yeah. Guess what? You get, your, you get your cytokines back. You get an immune response with less inflammation. And that's why it's a winning combination. Less inflammation and better immune response. Yeah. I, th I think you may have actually answered a question that's dogged me for years, and that is with regards to the macrophage, um, something initiates the macrophage to turn into a foam cell. And I've always wondered, does the macrophage turn into a foam cell upon engulfing oxidized LDL in the blood or after it migrates into the tunica intima of the artery, i.e., does the inflammatory or atheromic process start after that foam cell has migrated or does it initiate before? And I think what you're telling me is that it, 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 it's initiated within the blood. Yeah, but it's interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a great question, great observation. I just spoke about it. So the body communicates. So, for example, when you do an AKI, okay, you do an AKI on an animal, on a, on a, let's say on a mice that is a knockout mice, no galactin-3. You don't get the response, okay? Then you transplant into the bone marrow, okay? Into the bone marrow. Yeah. You advance the bone marrow that is normal bone marrow, okay? From the AKI, the macrophage in the bone marrow gets stimulated. They excrete galactin-3. It goes into the heart. Yeah. And there, the local macrophage also spike in response to the bone marrow. So you have a systemic response yeah. and you have an extracellular response. But if you cut the systemic response, 
you will affect the extracellular response. We see it. When we give modified citrospectin, we have down regulation of, uh, of expression of, uh, of galactin-3 intracellularly. The cell knows that it's safer now. It doesn't have to excrete so much galactin-3. So it's intricate relationship, but you're right. It starts far away f- sometime from, from, the, from the target tissue, totally. If you think about healthcare dollars spent on heart disease and hospitalizations, indeed rehospitalizations, chronic care and all of that sort of thing, this could save the healthcare dollar of countries millions. This is a huge billions, preventative. Billions, billions, actually billions, not millions. Yeah. Because, because you know, CKD, chronic kidney yep, disease, yep. is the biggest, even with the overcharging in, in the field of cancer. CKD is the biggest expenditure of the medical system in the United States. Right. And a lot of this can be prevented. The sepsis patients, 600,000 die in the United States. All the bypass patients that get the complications afterwards, and you can prevent it literally either by taking modified citrospectin or mainly not just by taking modified citrospectin and developing some more dramatic medical devices for the ICU where we're going to filter out the galactin-3, but that's many years uh. out. But we have shown now that just by giving modified citrospectin, we're actually modulating the effect. We are showing that, and we're going to publish this soon, that in kidney damage models, if we just feed the animal my modified citrospectin a week before, and then we do the regular injury, okay? Mm-hmm. We, are, we are dramatically changing the outcome, which is similar to the study about the levels of galactin-3 preoperatively will, will determine what will happen afterwards. And afterwards, based on what you said, it's the cell in the blood is sending a signal to the target tissue. So we are cutting the signal. Um, I just want to make this clear in my mind. So if you have a galactin-3 knockout mouse and you right. induce, forgive me, but this is how science is done. I, I hate this, how this happens to animals, but it's the way. Um, so if there is an injury initiated in that mouse that has no galactin-3, then that acute kidney injury, let's say, does not progress because it can't drive it further. Is that, is that true? Is that right, right. Oh, yeah. In this specific study, it did not create damage to the heart. Wow. They were interesting in the kidney to ha- exactly. Right. In the knockout animal and in the regular animal when you gave MCP. But when they took the knockout animal and they just created a bone marrow, that had galactin-3, right. yep. they were able to still create the damage because this, that's why it's such an elegant study that got so much attention. Yeah. The, the signal to the specifically, they identified the inflammatory macrophage, just like you were talking about. And they are the ones who created the effect. And again, when you give galactin, when you give our modified citrospectin, when they use pectosol, it cancels the negative effect. Right. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about modified citrus pectin and the attributes that it must have. It's got to be of a certain size and it's got to have low esterification, correct? Can we right, talk, correct. can we discuss why that's important? What, what causes the problem if there is high esterification, for instance? Uh, it, <laughs> it's a very, uh, I mean, testing structure, it's almost a little bit of a mystery. The idea is if it has low esterification, it has much greater affinity 
for binding to uh, to, to to positively charged material like heavy metals. Uh-huh. Uh You know, we have we have a number of very impressive papers on our ability to bind to lead to mercury. We just published a paper on uranium. Uh, binding and increased excretion in the gut in a peer-reviewed journal, but it's also you have to it's you have to preserve the side branches of the pectin. So one, for example, very unique feature we have in pectasol that it has 10% of rhamnogalacturonan 2, and rhamnogalacturonan 2 is a, for example the active immune-enhancing compound in mistletoe is rhamno. Galacturonan too. Right. So we weren't we weren't so aware of it until we did a study on on volunteers, and we tested different medicinal mushrooms because I love medicinal mushrooms to see the immune effect. Mm. And then we tested our MCP, and we never published on the mushrooms because our MCP was so much more effective. And at this time, you know, this is almost this is almost 15 years ago. We really didn't completely understand even why. And now, now we know. Because it allows the immune system to respond. So the specific modified it and the other thing that we have found, talking about modified citrus pectin, which actually it's a, it's a mistake I've made, we see effects of modified citrus pectin at a partial dose. So if the full dose is 15 grams a day, mm. taken two or three times a day, and best, you know, 15 minutes before food is enough, and maybe an hour after food, then because of the of the response, I, I used to recommend for maintenance five grams a day. But what I've found, especially in the last year, is that if you have any health issues, if you really take the full dose, you will see different effects. And one of the effects that you see is a metabolic effect. And why is this? Because the insulin receptors, you know, when you have metabolic syndrome, mm-hmm. you often have extracellular inflammation. You have inflammatory macrophage. But often, the inflammatory macrophage are excreting galactin-3 that blocks the insulin receptors. As a result, AMPK gets blocked, and then mTORY, mTOR1 and HIF, hypoxia-inducing factors, get turned on. Yeah. PDK gets turned on. PDH gets blocked, you know, the mitochondria shuts down, and you get abnormal metabolism. You see this in diabetes, you see it in metabolic diseases, you see it in infections, and of course, you see it in cancer, because the microenvironment. So there is something about people taking a full dose. I know from my own personal experience that I finally, now I had the hemoglobin A1C no matter what, 5.8, 5.7, 5.8. Now, I just increased my my uh, MCP dose to full dose, and sure enough, you know, it's down to 5.4. I haven't been at 5.4 for 15 years. So we could use this not just as an initial treatment to, um, you know, purportedly block the the initial insult, but we can actually use this to track response. That's that's what I'm th- I'm wondering here. We we could use this. Let's say that you know the normal waxing and waning of autoimmune disease, for instance. We could use increasing and decreasing a dose, along with the inflammation that accompanies yes rheumatoid arthritis yes. or other um, autoimmune diseases. Oh, you are really picking very interesting. So autoimmune diseases, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, are. Uh, all of them will have very high levels of galactin-3. Yeah. But it's important to talk about 
about, about testing for galactin-3 because it's a double-edged sword. Why? Because cert, we have a relationship between galactin-3 being in the bloodstream as monomers and being as pentamers, which means five galactin-3 attached together. But the antibody that detects galactin-3 attaches to the N-terminal, not to the carbohydrate recognition domain, and it can read a pentamer as one galactin-3. Right. So, you, so you cannot decide on treatment based on galactin-3 level. When people ask me who needs to, get, to take modified retrospectin, I tell them anyone that is breathing because of its very basic, basic, basic structure. However, if you have a healthy patient that is really doing well, you know, let's say somebody is in their mid-30s, they're really doing well, you know, no health problems, they're, they're doing great. Yep. And you happen to check their galactin-3, and it's no... It's in the high teens, 17, 18, 20. They are a ticking time bomb. It's much higher than you expect. Then these people need to go on a full dose modified retrospectin, and you need to look for fibrotic places in the body that can produce galactin-3. And one area is scars. Scars on the surface, scars from surgeries, scars after after infections, emotional scars, you know, things that are producing ongoing inflammation and repair. And uh, addressing them is very important because galactin-3 uh, galactin increases in level as we age. And very interesting, if we, if we compare levels of galactin-3 in centurions compared to people between 70 and 80, it's a really nice study. Yeah. And we have to, we have to remember that the ones who are 70 and 80, include a few which are going to become centurions. The centurions' average levels of galactin-3 are very significantly lower than those between the 70s and 80s. But you can see in the 70s and 80s, and I can send you the study, it's really neat. You see the cluster of the low galactin-3, and these are probably the ones that are going to make it to, 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 to be centurions. Right. There's a point that you made earlier also about the structure of the modified citrus pectin. And you mentioned a rhamnose molecule. Yeah, the rhamnogalacturonan 2, right. Gotcha. So what I'm wondering about here is interaction at the gut level, interaction with the, the glycocalyx or the, the mucus of the gut lining. And I'm wondering about T-cell, you, you were mentioning energy before, so T-cell activation or, or modulation so that we can get... Um, T0 rather than T12, T17, etc. Yes. So how effective is modified citrus pectin on treating at the gut level? And how, like, have you looked at absorption studies and all that sort of stuff as well? Yeah, we, we, we know that there is good absorption and we know the T half-life. We haven't published yet, but it's between 8 and 10 hours. But it's interesting. We have between four and six different papers specifically on our modified retrospectin, showing the benefit in enhancing, for example, antibiotic therapy in uh, and in improvement in reducing resistance to aggressive bacteria. Mm -hmm. And in and in, so we definitely have a number of papers showing the importance of modified retrospectin in balancing the, 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 the microbiome and the biofilm because the galactin-3 is a key structure 
of the biofilm, a lot of the molecules that we try to target, people say they are heavy metals, they are oxidized lipids, they are all sitting on the galactin-3. There are many, many papers on galactin-3 in relationship to, to the gut mucose and to the, and to the biofilm. Aggressive bacteria, you know, if it's, if it's Staphylococcus or Salmonella, they use galactin-3 to anchor into the gut lining and create issues with, that will, will, will increase the permeability in the gut, etc. So from this sense, one thing that I see, for example, in Lyme patients that usually are sensitive to almost everything, they will tell you when they take modified cytospectin, wow, it really feels good. I really feel my gut healing. Is, so is this acting on, um, you know, lipopolysaccharide activation of mucosal infiltration, if you like, or, or activation at the, um, at the gut lining level of an inflammatory process? <laughs> this is a great comment. Lipopolysaccharide binds to galactin-3. So now you start to getting the other piece of the, like in sepsis. Mm. So you got galactin-3, okay? It's going to the nasty places in the body, right? Yeah. And it's, deriver, it's delivering your lipopolysaccharide, where the saccharide is bound to the galactin-3. So you take modified cytospectin and you competitively get rid of the lipopolysaccharide and you cut down the inflammatory process. Right. People from sepsis don't, don't die from the infection. They died from the abnormal, if not inflammatory response. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Right. We know that LPS is directly related, is carried by galactin-3. Definitely. What you said is extremely accurate. Okay. So that would then tie into what you were speaking earlier about with regards to liver fibrosis. Do you see GAL-3 in the actual kupfer cells of the liver? Do you see increased GAL-3 in there? And I'm, I'm wondering here about the use of modified citrus pectin in things like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, in, as you said, um, liver fibrosis, in alcoholic liver disease, in hep C. Andrew, Andrew, I feel like you're reading my mind. I just came <laughs> back from Asia where I specifically was looking at this. There is solid evidence on the role of galactin-3 in NASH, yeah. non-alcoholic starteroid, that's what you mentioned, yeah. which, you know, honestly, many doctors and uh, don't realize what a huge problem it is. Millions of people. And there are, even there are some drug in development specifically for NASH. You, you, there, are, there are papers on our modified cytospectin showing reversal of liver damage when you give the modified cytospectin. So absolutely, NASH is driven by galactin-3. It's galactin-3 that will determine are you going to go into fibrosis or not. So modified cytospectin is very important for NASH patients. But again, you kind of expect it based on what we've been talking about. It drives the inflammatory and the fibrotic process. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. NASH, NASH is a big target. Two things I'm think, wondering about with combinations here. The first one is with regards to sepsis, um, you know, it's, it's diagnosed late and it's misdiagnosed often. And, you know, drug treatments that were um, previously tried, like one called Zigris, was found not to work. And so there's doctors now crying out for help. And indeed, doctors who are normally totally dismissive of, you know, complementary approaches are now initiating intravenous vitamin C to help oh my, reduce sepsis. Absolutely. 
amazing study because if this study that you're referring to was a drug, every ICU now would be using vitamin C IV, right? Yeah, you'd think, you'd hope. <laughs> so, so it's a great combination. And why it's a great combination? Because vitamin C modulates the extracellular metrics. And in this sense, uh, pectasol will be very helpful. You know, we have a very reputable, for example, physician from Southern California who who got sepsis, who got infection in his hand and did not respond to, it, it turned into sepsis, did not respond to to antibiotic. This happened like three, four months ago. Yeah. And he, he was just scheduled for amputation of the hand, literally, within hours, okay? And he knows me. So he went on a full dose of modified cytospectin plus our mushroom combination that is very similar in oligosaccharides. And sure enough, you know, he started responding and it, it went away. And the uh, ideal for this patient, he would have also done high dose, high dose level of vitamin C. So yes, it's a very good combination. And as you said, I mean, people don't realize there is very little interest in developing drugs for sepsis. Surprisingly, you know, I, have, I got an NIH grant from the NIH to study uh, removal of galactin-3 in sepsis because... There is very little, as an alternative guy, there is very little interest in big pharma because it's hard, it's hard to prove and nothing is working. You know, and hundreds of thousands die every year. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands in the United States. 600,000. And, and what about with regards to, we'll talk about your research in one second, but I guess firstly I want to talk about the concurrent use of modified citrus pectin with chemotherapeutics, in uh, cancer chemotherapeutics we're talking about here. Are there any caveats that you have to be aware of? Like, for instance, you know, the biologics that are now out on the, on the market, the monoclonal antibodies, do we have to be cautious with any of these? Uh, another excellent question. So we have now multiple studies in vitro, in vivo, some human data showing that MCP is synergistic practically with every chemotherapy. And we specifically have data showing that MCP is synergistic with PDL1 inhibitors. Right, okay. In fact, we know the mechanism. So all these biological, you know, Ketruda and you know, Nivulumab, the different PDL1 inhibitors. Yep. And we specifically understand why. Because when you modify the intracellular metabolism, when you block AMPK because of the receptors outside, you are increasing PDL1 expression. So actually, it's very important. We, in fact, we were approved. We have, we have an IRB approval for two different PDL1 inhibitors studies in, in, in bladder and kidney cancer with PDL1 inhibitor and our modified citrospectin, just our investigator moved to another hospital, so we have to move the approval. But we actually got approved already for a formal clinical trial because of pilot study data. So yes, modified citrospectin is one of the key supplements I give during chemotherapy and during immunotherapy. But it's the last supplement at the elevated dose, okay, 20 grams a day, Right. that your patients should, should take before a biopsy or surgery with a high probability of cancer to prevent the spread. And it's essential supplement with radiation therapy. We have published showing how cells that cannot resist themselves to radiation are not getting killed by radiation therapy. When we add the modified citrus pectin to the same dose of radiation, 
we get a, a kill of the cell. It, okay. And we actually publish this paper. Right. And all of this because we are changing the microenvironment and we are exposing the cancer cell to the treatment. So what about things like um, side effects from cancer therapies? Uh, for instance, radiation therapy, let's say breast cancer, you've got the radiation dermatitis. You've got um, CIPN, the chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. It's almost like a necessary poisonous side effect. You need that poison to kill right. the cancer, but the poison has side effects on healthy tissues. Can modified right. citrus pectin have any effect on uh, abrogating these bad effects? Yes, definitely. And again, you know, your audience are integrative physicians. They understand you don't use only one time, one thing. But yes, especially the radiation side effects because the radiation enhances a fibrotic process and, galactin, and modified citrus pectin, which is galactin 3 driven and modified citrus pectin, Andrew will cut the process, but definitely. And interesting enough, for neuroinflammation, which is tricky, for neuroinflammation, we have a number of studies showing that when you take, uh, in animal studies, when you induce LPS-driven neuroinflammation, the neuroinflammation is cut significantly and sometimes completely eliminated when you introduce our modified citrus pectin. You see a decrease in TNF-alpha and TGF-beta in certain interleukins, inflammatory interleukins, back to normal level. Yeah, we actually have published papers on this. It seems like that GAL3 should be measured in all sorts of inflammatory-driven diseases, no matter what the etiology. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very good comment. And you and I know it takes, uh, now with the internet, it goes faster. It's not 50 years, it's just 20 to 30 years. But galactin 3 is an approved test in the United States, paid by every, uh, you know, by every insurance. Yeah. But again, I mean, I don't know the situation in Australia, but I can tell you in the United States, if you have insurance, the insurance will pay the lab $30 for the galactin 3 test. And if you want to pay in cash, they will charge you 300 to 500 Yeah, yeah. So this is the politics of medicine. But there, there is more and more interest in it. It's hard to know how to read it. Why? Because doctors, and I really want to encourage anybody who is listening, doctors love protocols. Yeah. And my, one of my favorite saying is that the only protocol I have is that I don't have a protocol. So for patients with congestive, <laughs> very important. So for patients with congestive heart failure, having galactin three under seventeen point eight, one out of eight will die in one year. Okay, one out of eight, twelve point five percent. Under a study on five hundred eighty-two people, if your galactin three is over twenty-five point six, not such a big difference. Thirty-seven percent will die in one year. Oy. So if you have a congestive heart failure, you definitely want to check your patient, okay? Because it's life and death. Yeah. But in the normal population, if your galactin three is seventeen point five, and the lab comes under seventeen point eight normal, you are not normal. The average is ten. You have elevated galactin three. You have a lot of risk. So you have to read the test dynamically. It should not determine if you're going to use modified introspecting or not. I want to emphasize this point. As somebody who has done thousands and thousands and thousands of galactin 3 tests, but for certain patients, like metastatic patients or patients with autoimmune diseases, 
or you know fibrotic diseases where their specific galactin 3 chemistry is demonstrating that as they get worse, the galactin 3 go up. As they get better, the galactin 3 goes down. For this patient, galactin 3 becomes an, a great marker. Now, you have to remember, you can have the same amount of galactin 3 in the blood, yeah. but if it's blocked by modified citrus pectin, it's no, we call it blocked, inactivated galactin 3. It's no longer causing damage. Right. But over time, as your inflammation gets reduced, your galactin 3 gets better. I know I, I, I used to volunteer and go up to, to, to Tibet to, to treat uh, the different uh, Buddhist masters. And one time, you know, there was really high, 14,000, 15,000 feet. Uh, and I really... I had no oxygen. I was surprised and I probably had some heart damage. And I came back, my galactin 3 was 17. Then I took modified citrus pectin at the full dose. My galactin 3 now is 11. Why? It, and my arrhythmia went away. Why, why it's 11? Because I have less inflammation. Right. But it took a long time of blocking. So you don't want, you want to give modified citrus pectin understanding how fundamental is galactin-3? You know, some of my colleagues, my friends say, Isaac, how, is, how come the word didn't go out for such a breakthrough? You know, we have over 60 published papers on modified citrus pectin. We get, in average, twice a month's papers from major universities. It's much bigger than me and my work. Yeah. Because I'm, I was so focused on research and research, I didn't have time to go around and tell the whole world about it. But now I really feel with what I'm seeing, it's an essential supplement for every single patient. You can see why. You can see how many diseases we covered, you know, in, the, in this podcast. Okay. Um, now, you've mentioned levels of, you know, like 17 is, is quite high. And you mentioned that you got your level down to 11. Now, what's a safe level of GAL3? What's a normal level? If GAL3 exists in the body, it exists for a reason. What's its normal function? Oh, of course. So intracellularly, it functions for normal cell development. For example, American Journal of Nephrology had a great article about a year ago showing galactin-3 helping nephrogenesis and <sighs> making galactin-3 a target for fighting CKD outside of the cell. So inside the cell, remember we started this conversation by talking about survival. Yeah. And I said, inside the cell, survival means embryogenesis. Outside the cell, survival is a fight. Because one cell is a part of a community. If, yeah. we, if a cell wants to survive, doesn't want to die, it no longer becomes a part of community. It's really, you can see it in the geopolitical environment right? This nationalism is creating boundaries. What happens? You create a microenvironment that the body cannot control. Classically, what happens in cancer? So in this sense, N-galactin-3 is needed for acute injury repair. But what's the beauty? The beauty is that even if you give people modified citrus pectin, if you need it at a certain place, it will still get expressed where it's needed. That's why it's not a double-edged sword. Right. But you've got to block it all the time in the circulation. Because, Andrew, if you look at numbers, if normal galactin-3 is 10, and I'm telling you that 20 is a real issue, we just doubled galactin-3. Yeah. 
If you look at CRP, you can have CRP of under 0.5. And when someone is really inflamed, you'll get 100. It goes up 200 fold. Yeah. yeah. Same, with, same, same with cytokines. Why? Because these are downstream instigators. It's a little bit of change of galactin-3, turns on the alarm, and then everybody else goes crazy. Right. So we are really dealing with the master protein when we address it. But modified citrus pectin doesn't infiltrate the cell and disrupt, say, embryogenesis and things exactly. like that. Exactly. Right. No. Okay. It's the other way around. Right. Because when the cell is, remember, when the cell receptors are working better, and now AMPK is working better, yep. and mTOR1 is shut down, we get 36 molecules of ATP from every glucose. We don't get lactic acidosis. We don't get red, red, you know, reactive oxygen species. We're in great shape. But when we go into survival mode, we go to glycolysis. We produce energy 10,000 times faster, inefficient, and we change the cell metabolism. We get more hypoxic, it gets worse. That's why it's so important to address to address uh, galactin-3, you know, it's part of the, you know, intracellular people are using metformin, our, a compound that I use a lot, honokiol, has even better, better benefits. This is intracellularly. Galactin-3 starts the process through the cell membrane because cell membrane is really the boundary of the cell. And every cell, we can look at every cell as a, I look at it as a living organism with boundaries with neighbors, with a community. If it's willing to be a part of a community, like a bee in a beehive, I like to say, then what, ca- what the bee cares is for the beehive to survive. But if a bee goes crazy and starts attacking the other bees, beehive is not going to work. So collecting three throws us off. It gets us to the survival. And the survival response starts with the sympathetic nervous system in the immediate second response. But then it can quiet down. But the metabolic uh, signal is galactin-3. And that's why it's so fundamental. It has such effects. We don't have time to talk. You can see in in people post-MI who meditate, galactin-3 goes down, and their heart damage goes down dramatically. Beautiful studies on this human clinical trial. Wow. Double blind. There is so much more to cover here. But just on one last point, so you're talking about stressors in the human body, and normally we, we default to a physical stressor. So do emotional stressors increase galactin-3? What importance do we have to place, therefore, on our emotional health? I can't thank you enough for making this your last point, because my passion, my, my third act, I just turned 60, is really teaching meditation and healing because I have a very unique, because I treated these legendary Tibetan master, Buddhist masters in Tibet, I was, I was fortunate to get very unique meditation training. Yeah. And I translated it into healing. And it's amazing what the emotional, psycho-spiritual, mental thing can do. And the reason is we are built to take stressors and turn them into love and compassion. And that's why I told you in the beginning when I told my story, that's what I meant, and thank you. I don't know how you do this, but you kind of close the whole thing. <laughs> because if you think about the heart, the heart gives clean blood with no discrimination. The aorta cannot contract or expand like a smaller arteriole. It gives blood everywhere. Open heart, 
and it also feeds itself. By the first artery, the aorta gives blood, is the coronary arteries, which means self-love is very important. In order for the heart to give clean blood, what does it need? It needs to get dirty blood. It needs to get stuff that the cells feel they don't want. So we use distressors, we use traumas, and the heart knows how to transform them into clean blood. How does it do it? By connecting with the universe through our breath. We are all a part of one big, one big picture. So when I go back to survival, the cell is part of a tissue, the tissue is part of an organ, the organ is part of a body, and we are part of a community, we are part of the planet, and the planet is part of the, of the solar system. It's all the same. So eventually, survival goes all the way to the universe. And as long as we see the bigger picture, and we let go of our own drama, you know, if we don't contract into our own drama, we live a healthier, happier life. I see it in my retreats. I see cancer markers. I see neurological diseases improving in a few days. You know, now I'm doing some trials on this in more focused things. But it's the same thing. It's a Galactian three story. And I'm writing a book about it that hopefully will be out in a few months. And the title is The Survival Paradox. Because survival is a paradox. So your question is so right. We know from the study I told you about MIs, they took patients straight from the MI, and 10 patients just didn't do anything, and 10 patients meditated, just simple meditation. Then the, the improved in perfusion was so dramatic that even on 10 compared to 10, P-value was under 0.001, wow. and galactin-3 was lower. But when they took them six weeks later, yeah. And they did another session, and they checked Galactin-3 between before the session and after the 20-minute session, okay? A drop of 15% in the level of Galactin-3. Yeah, that's During huge. the meditation session after six weeks. So this is, so the, the beauty now, there are so many studies, there are over 9,000 papers on Galactin-3, that we have publications and all these, all these insights like that you just had now, you know? There is no, it's nice that there is research to support like the insight that you just had. Well, I would love to get you back onto FX Medicine at some stage and we can perhaps delve into certain parts of the research that you've been involved in and uh, maybe, you know, also discuss some of the other research that's, that's moving ahead with Galactin-3 and how to treat it. Um, Dr. Isaac Elias, I can't thank you enough. One of the reasons I love FX Medicine is because of meeting people like you, not just an expert, but not just involved in medical science, but is driven by love and compassion, a true doctor. Thank you so much for joining us on FX Medicine today. Thank you so much. It was truly my honor. I mean, your, your interview, I must tell you, was the most sophisticated interview I've ever had. And I'm not saying it lightly. I had hundreds of them. You, you, you really know the topic, and I would really be glad if we can have another one. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you to everybody in Australia. Take care. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Nominations are now open for the Bioceuticals Integrative Medicine Awards. The Beamers recognise professionals who demonstrate excellence in the complementary and integrative medicine profession. Nominate your deserving practitioner now by going to bioceuticals.com.au and clicking on the Education tab.